Are you looking for the spot to kick back, relax, and talk all things Southern Miss? Well, you're in the right place. No need for the calculator here, Poindexter. We're average Joes who are passionate fans. This is for Southern Miss fans by Southern Miss fans. Welcome to the Everyday Eagles Podcast. Hey, 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 what's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us on this episode of Everyday Eagle Podcast. It's a, a special episode. It's called Where Are They Now? Um, joining me today is Mr. Lane Brady. What's up, Lane? What's happening, Chuck? I'm real fired up for this series, guys. This is going to be fun. It's catching up with former Golden Eagle greats and seeing what they're doing now and you know, getting some stories and some good stuff that we want to know from back whenever they played and everything else i'm really excited about this one we got one heck of a guest chuck's got on here for us this week we do he's a really uh good guy um loves southern miss loves everything baseball um a friend of mine mr colin cargill what's up colin hey chuck how y'all doing we're doing well man thanks for coming on the show yeah man happy to be here Excited to have you. This is going to be fun tonight. It's going to be fun. So we we decided what we're going to do is we're going to ask some what we call blanket questions to our uh, where are they now guests. And so the first one, Colin, is why did you choose Southern Miss? Uh, well, you know, I, I grew up in the city of Hasburg. I've been here my whole life. And um, I played, you know, baseball right down the road at Hasburg High. I went to Sacred Heart and for elementary school. So you know, Hasbro's been my hometown for, you know, my whole life. And, um, you know, I grew up going to Southern Miss games, um, you know, absolutely fell in love with the place when I was a kid. So I went to, I can't count how many games I went to when I was a kid. So just kind of grew up and loving the place from the very get go. And I was very fortunate enough to have a really good senior year in high school. And, um, actually at the time coach Burroughs and coach Barry came and watched me play in the state championship when we played Madison central my senior year. And, you know, I had a good had a good series, and you know, the next day they came and both offered me. So, of course, I was going to take it, and you know, I, I, it was a no doubter coming. Well, we're glad you came to Southern Mass. Well, as I mean, it's it's a dream come true. To, I you know have my parents right down the road; they could come to every game, and um, you know when we're at home, and they even. They even came to away games, too. But, you know, just playing in front of family and friends, you know, pretty much every game of my whole career was just a, you know, kind of a dream come yeah. true. Oh, yeah. It was fun to watch you play, too, man. A lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, I know, for that- I, I, know I gave some people some, you know, heart, uh, headaches and heart attacks sometimes. I know I did with Coach Palmer. He, <laughs> you know, always would say he's I'd make him smoke a cigarette in the dugout if when I was out there oh. pitching. So, but – I've heard many other people say that too, but you know, I was, you know, I was happy to have the career I had and I mean, I couldn't trade it in for anything else. Absolutely. And that brings us to this next question, which is, uh, kind of what you're talking about. What is your favorite moment as a golden Eagle? Uh, well, I mean, I think we can, you know, state the obvious and us going to Omaha and, you know, beating Florida down in Gainesville. I think that, uh, I think that's a, a team moment where, you know, I, I love being on that mound at that moment and, you know, sending us there, I think that was just a, you know, a dream come true as a kid. 
always watching the College World Series and, you know, seeing those blue, red, and yellow seats, always wanting to just go and play in front of 30,000 people. I mean, mm-hmm. you, could, you couldn't ask for anything better, you know, to, in your college career to actually go there and say you actually played there. Um, you know, it's, it, was, it was awesome. I mean, practicing the day before, you know, the, the, the whole thing started – out there practicing shagging BP, and I think we gave away about a half a bucket of baseballs to a bunch of kids out there. And, <laughs> but you know, yeah, Coach Barry wasn't too happy about that one. But <laughs> I was like, "So what? We're here. I don't right. care. Well, this is yeah. the last time we'll use those balls this year. So buy, right. buy some new ones. Buy uh, some new ones. Uh, but you know, you know, from a personal standpoint, I think you know, my my senior year in in Auburn at the Auburn Regional, we played Jacksonville State. You know, I, I threw seven two thirds and. Uh, you know, finished the game, and I probably threw the best game of my life. Um, you know, getting a standing ovation from the crowd when I went back out there to the ninth. I just, mm-hmm. I had to take a step back. I had to just kind of take a step back and and look at it. But then I had to get focused back in and finish the game, which was you know kind of hard to do. But um, you know, honestly, I mean, nobody really knows this. I'm going to tell you guys, which is kind of embarrassing. But you know, I kind of I kind of teared up at that moment when I kind of just took a step back and. And realize that you know this this is probably it for my career and uh, mm-hmm. well actually no I'm sorry that was 2010 but uh, you know I didn't know I might have got drafted or something like that that anything could have yeah. happened but anything um, but just taking a step back and looking and, and seeing all those people and you know cheering for me and it was kind of just a wow moment like this is unbelievable that this is actually happening so um, you know that was a great moment in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, Colin, I was actually at that game. I was in that group of fans up there screaming for you while you were doing all that. And uh, uh, well, I guess, I guess I, I you know, because I, I didn't usually throw seven and two thirds. I guess that was the reason. But <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, it was just a really special moment. Uh, something I will literally never forget. When you see somebody gritting it out like that on the mound, and you know they're pushing themselves beyond what they've done in the past, it just it gets you going as a fan base. I think too. Yeah. And uh, you know, I guess. The question I've got is, you know, like I said, I was in the middle of all that yelling and I'm at all these games and as a fan base, I feel like we pride ourselves in being a very passionate fan base at Southern Miss. How much of that actually gets to the players? Like how much of that actually impacts you guys, Colin, as a former player? I mean, I think it has a huge impact on how we, what we do and how we, you know, how we perform, um, I mean, just the just the the roar of the crowd. Um, I know it got me going. Even on the road, I loved when the 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 road fans were on our butts. You know, every time we were out there playing. I mean, I kind of just I, I lived in that moment. I, I loved for, for the fans to kind of get me going, whether it was a negative or a positive way. It, it always worked for me, just because I, you know, it was always you know I, I say I I look back and when I played in high in pro ball. You know, we didn't have many fans come to our games, um, you know, and down there in Jupiter. Uh, I don't know the particular reason, but nobody really kind of showed up. We only had like a few hundred fans. So you had to kind of get yourself kind of going a little bit. And if you didn't know how to do that, it's difficult to play. Um, but if you have four, five, six thousand people kind of in your corner, you feel like, and they kind of, it's, it's kind of easy to kind of get yourself going. And if you can't, then you probably don't need to be playing any kind of sport to begin with. Right. And then that, that brings me to my next question here. Obviously, you mentioned 
you were you were a local kid and you ended up going to Southern Miss. What did you major in? Uh, business management uh, slash marketing. Um, and I know I, you know, the last couple of years when I was working there, I I started my major in uh, sports management, and I haven't finished it yet, but I plan on plan on finishing it. Good deal. Well, good luck with that, man. Congrats on going back and working on getting that finished up. So, so now, what are you doing now? I am uh, the pitching coach at Mississippi College. It's a Division two college up there in Clinton, Mississippi. Um, I I think they just went Division two in 2017. So it's kind of an up and coming program. You know, I I know it's probably you know some people have heard of it, some people haven't heard of it, but I, we're in a pretty good conference in the GFC conference, along with you know teams like Delta State and. West mm-hmm. Florida and Valdosta State, you know, those are, you know, some of the bigger names I can think of, especially when it comes to football with Valdosta and right. West Florida. Um, but pretty good conference, and, I'm, you know, I'm excited to kind of start jumpstart my career as a pitching coach. You teaching them to throw sidearm over there? Uh, not necessarily. <laughs> um, I, got, I got two guys. Oh, I got one guy last year, and I got another guy coming in this year. So I'll have two on the staff this next year. Um but they're two completely different kind of guys when it comes to sidearm. So, um, you know, I, I kind of learned that from Coach Palmer. You know, it's always good to have a guy like us, a guy that can kind of go multiple days, back-to-back days, or, you know, some days I wanted to go three days in a row. But, you know, it's always good to have those guys that can just come in, get you a ground ball, face a couple of hitters, and then they can come back the next day and, you know, do the exact same thing, um, especially in pressure situations where you need that ground ball to get out of an inning with a man on first and third and one out, you can get a double play real quick. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So oh, yeah, I, I learned that from coach Palmer. I mean, he, he loved us. I mean, you could tell by the track record with Austin tub, Daniel best, uh, me, Jonathan Johnston, Matt Warren. I mean, I mean, there's probably and Tyler key, I think was one of them. I mean, there's just a tons of guys that coach Palmer had underneath his track record and he used them. I know that. So, oh um, yeah. So I kind of just kind of I took that from him, you know, when it comes to building the pitching staff. So were you always a sidearm guy? Uh, I started in tenth grade. Um, yeah, Larry Knight was my head coach in in at Hasbro High, um, and my sophomore year, I, you know, I was I was a pretty good pitcher. I mean, I pitched my whole life, and I threw over the top. I threw hard, but I just couldn't I couldn't find the zone. Like I couldn't throw enough strikes and. So, you know, I already threw three quarters, and he goes, look, we're going to try this. And we started in a JV game. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't on the JV team, uh, the junior varsity team at the time, but he's like, look, we're going to try it, and we're going to do it in a junior varsity game. So I was like, well, anything to get on the mound. So I did it. I, I think I hit like seven people that game. <laughs> but, uh, rough I mean, start, this, huh? <laughs> it was a rough start, but, I mean, when you do a lot of movement like that, you kind of got to, you know, learn how to tone it down and control it. Uh, so I, I had to learn that. And honestly, I didn't really learn it until like my senior year in high school. So it took, a, it took a while. Um, and then I still tried to figure out some things when I got to college, but, um, it, after about five or six years, you know, eventually I figured it out, which seems like a long time, but it's a difficult way to throw. So, yeah. Well, the other question I have that kind of goes along with what you're doing now is how can, uh, Southern Miss and Everyday Eagle podcast fans and all of us guys, what can we do to support you in your career? 
I mean, just honestly doing what y'all, you guys are doing right now, just kind of reaching out and wanting to, you know, see what we're doing now. Um, you know, I, I like that. I, I think that that keeps everybody connected together when it comes to old players, to fans, to to current players. You know, just everything. I think, you know, I think I learned a lot from you know Coach Barry having that motto and everything matters, and it really does. I mean, honestly, everything does matter when it comes to building a family like Southern Miss. I mean. You know, we don't have the the multi multi million dollar budgets that all these power five schools do, but you know, we, we have a pretty dang good fan base and it seems like kind of a one big family. You know, we might butt heads every now and then just like a good family does, but we'll get past it. You know what I mean? That that's I mean, I have a close family, my own family, and we butt heads all the time. And I, I really feel like that is kinda what Southern Miss is. We love each other. Everybody loves each other, but we just kind of butt heads sometimes. But then we get over it because we start winning because our fan base ain't going nowhere. So when it comes to that, I mean, I think, you know, we're doing what you guys are doing, having podcasts. And, you know, if guys, if if, if people want to come and watch the game, you know, they, they're more than welcome to come and, you know, speak to me or reach out to me. I can get them tickets to the game. Uh, you know, whatever I have to do to stay connected to Southern Miss because I always will. I mean, it's my home, so. Well, you'll, you'll have yourself a little fan base in Hattiesburg of Mississippi College Choctaw fans. For sure. As long as you're there, yeah. brother. Well, as long as I'm there. I mean, hopefully one day, you know, God willing, I can always come back. Amen. <laughs> yeah. We're going to claim it. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Well, we'll move into the uh, the kind of fun, uh, quirky questions. Um, Colin, did you – I mean, I know that being a closer is a little different than being a starter – but did you have any weird superstitions or game day traditions? Um, yeah, I mean, I could say I did. I mean, they weren't like weird and crazy, but you know, sometimes as a closer, you got to be kind of crazy and weird um, and do things that people are going to look at you and be like, "What are you doing? Like, why are you doing this?" But it was something I always did. I mean, I would if I went in into the game and I know I had to pitch multiple yeah. innings, I come in, drink a cup and a half of water. That was it cup and a half of water and I don't know why I just always did it and you know you do something when you do something good like when you pitch good and you did something you always remember what you did and you're just going to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and that's what I did honestly after my freshman year I didn't have a great redshirt freshman year but then I got into my sophomore year had a good game and I drank I did that I drank a cup and a half and I honestly just always remembered it I know it sounds weird it sounds crazy but again like that's what closers are about. They're kind of weird and crazy. I mean, um, hey man, it's only crazy if it doesn't work, Kyle. Yeah, if it didn't work, I wouldn't have done it. I would have done something else. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'd have drank two cups of water. I guess I don't know. That's but, right. For some reason, would, the baseball gods wanted the cup and a half. So I know, I know. And it, like during the game, I would always pace back and forth when we were pitching. When I wasn't pitching, somebody else was. I was always pacing back and forth in the dugout, like down in the dugout. Um, I was never on the railing. I could not watch. For some reason, I was always just nervous when I wasn't up there. Uh, most of the time when I did get up there, I wasn't nervous at all, except for except for in Gainesville, which I guess we'll get into later. But, um, but yeah, that's that, that was the only time I was nervous. It was when we were on defense and I, I wasn't pitching and somebody else was. I was pacing back and forth. Uh, we go on offense, I was up on the railing. So I always did that. I mean, that was, that was something yeah. I always did. And then – you know, in the fifth or sixth, you know, I guess kind of seeing what the game was going, I, 
I started at the bottom step and took off to the bullpen. I mean, I sprinted off those steps to the bullpen. I always did that. So um, I guess those are three things. I, I know they're not like exciting or anything like that, but that's, I guess that's something I did. I probably ate the same thing every day. I just can't really remember what I ate. Okay. Awesome, man. So you, you mentioned, you know, you, you kind of pace back and forth when uh, other people are pitching. This isn't, um, well, I guess the question I'm asking is, did you, as pitchers, do you ever talk to each other? And, you know, were you approachable? Were other pitchers approachable? If you walked up and said, hey, your release is a little off, why don't you try this? Or did you do that during the game, or did you always wait for practice? No, we would always kind of just wait for practice. Um, you know, now as a pitching coach, you know, I see a lot mm-hmm. of things that maybe I didn't see as a player. But, you know, I always talk about mindset. And, and being competitive when it's game time. When, it, when, you're in, when you're in game mode, you're on the game mound, it's all about being how competitive you want to be and how, how your mentality is up on that mound. You're not worried about right. mechanics. You're not worried about your release point. You're not worried about any right. of that because that's when you start thinking. I got you. And when you start thinking, that's when you get in trouble. You just got to go out there and compete. And that was mainly the, probably the conversations that we mm-hmm. had in the dugout. Hey, man, let's go. Compete compete you know what i mean that's that's kind of the conversations that we might have if you know if you if your body language was bad and you know you're you're kind of just walking around the mound your tempo is bad you know that's you know as teammates yeah. you're like hey man pick pick it up let's go um like pick, pick up your tempo like nothing will release well that was probably more of you know practice time and you know throwing a bullpen or throwing a flat ground or something okay. like that those are the things you kind of work on there but once it once you hit on that game mound it's 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 all about mentality and how you want to compete. Mentality. I dig it. I dig it. Well, uh, going back to the superstitions, did any of your uh, you know, guys on your teams, did they have any weird superstitions that you thought were funny or quirky? or? Well, I mean, I, I was kind of an old school type player. Like, I didn't like any kind of, I guess, so-called Bush League stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, you know, we would do some kind of dance in the dugout or we paint, we, we painted our mu- uh, mustaches black one time. And <laughs> like, there's just things I was just like, I was like, all right, I, I get it. But also I'm not about this. Um, and mm-hmm. I guess that was, I guess that was some things I, I, I never really kind of paid attention to a lot of people's superstitions. I, I'm sorry to be a Debbie Downer on that one, but no, not at I all. just, uh, I, I never kind of paid attention. I don't, I don't, I know. Oh, I know one. I know one. Uh, <laughs> Todd McKinnis. Um, okay. You had to have cotton candy, bubble gum, uh, the like the the little rectangular shaped pieces of gum. Yeah. Um, I had the Bubblelicious. Is that the brand? Yeah, bubble the Bubblelicious. Uh, it came in a little six pack. A little oh yeah, six pack. the cotton candy. Yeah, yeah were awesome. He, he had to have the cotton candy. I had to take. I remember that now. That's it, funny that you say this because I I totally forgot about this. I would have to take one piece of gum. I would have to unwrap it cleanly, like completely clean. I couldn't tear it. I had to completely fold it out, and I had to pick it up and put it in his hand. <laughs> he couldn't touch it. He couldn't touch it. I, I'm not going to put it in his mouth, but I had to right. put it into his hand, but it all had to come out cleanly from the wrapper, and the wrapper had to be completely intact. Or if it didn't, I had to throw it away and do it again. So that's hilarious. So that was every time that he pitched, not, 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 not every game, but every time he pitched. So, so did that just start one time and he had a big game afterwards and you just kept it going? 
I guess. Honestly, I don't even know. Like, I, I, he just like, hey man, I need you to do this for me. And I was like, all right, I'll do it for you. And then I'll like, do it for you. I guess I can say I had a little hand in his great career at Southern Miss. That's so. right. There you go. He owes, it wasn't a lot. It, he owes me a lot. If it wasn't for me, then you know what? He would have been the third best pitcher in Southern Miss history. <laughs> third, right? <laughs> well, hey, uh, so you're a fellow Cubs fan, and um, you know when when John Lester signed with the Cubs, he asked him to bring in David Ross as his catcher. Do pitchers gel better with certain catchers? Is that relationship important? Uh, it's probably the most important relationship on the field. Um, I think the catcher is, you know, the most important position on the field. Um, he's the general. He's the one that sees everything. He sees the whole field. Um, and he's just, he's a commander in chief back there. I mean, if something goes Absolutely. wrong, he should let you know. He's the captain. Um, but they call it a battery for the reason. I mean, him and the pitcher, they're, they're working together and, that catcher is supposed to give him confidence and, you know, or let him know, hey, let's pick it up, man. Let's go. Um, and I think vice versa. I mean, if, if a pitcher sees a catcher kind of being lazy back there, not blocking balls or letting balls drop out of mm-hmm. the zone when there's strikes, you know, that's our pitcher's job to tell him, hey, man, pick it up back there. Do something for me. You know, I think that's a, a love-hate relationship, but also it's like a brothership. Like, it's yeah. a brotherhood, I mean. Like, you, you, you love your brother, but sometimes you got to just – kick him in the butt sometimes is hey let's go you know what I mean I think that's very important honestly I, mean, I really do and I you know I think it's big in recruiting now that I see as a, as a coach I need those catchers to help my pitchers out because honestly player player relationships are a lot different than player coach relationship and you know I can always say so much to kind of get them going but other players like our captains need to say something to get them going that's what that's why catchers are mostly captains um, I, I, I mean, I think it's just so important to have, I mean, I remember, you know, there are great catchers I had in my career and there's two of them. I remember in pro ball that I played with and mm-hmm. they both played in the big leagues, but one of them plays now and I can't remember what the other one does, but, uh, JT Ruamuto. I mean, he's one of the best, best catchers in the big league. Big timer. Like, yeah. He was a catcher for two and a half years and he, as, as good as he was, he only made me better because of how good he was. Um, you know, not only receiving, blocking, and throwing, he yeah. was just a, like I said, he was a general back there. And he expected a lot out of his pitchers and expected a lot out of me when I was up there. And um, we had a guy named Jeff Mathis come down. He was a a backup catcher in the big leagues, but he was rehabbing with us in double A. I swear to God, he was in my head. Two, two times that I threw to him, he was in my head. I mean, he knew exactly what I wanted to throw, where I wanted to throw it. And it was just, it was easy to pitch. I mean, it just was. I mean, you just, you got, you get so locked in on him that you forget that there's a dang hitter in the box. So, I mean, honestly, it just kind of makes it easy. You forget about the hitter. You you focus on him and you focus on the mitt because you're, you, you two are so locked in. Awesome, man. And, and side note, a little fun fact for everybody listening, Jeff Mathis's sister, Jill, played softball at Southern Miss. Some from Cal. I really did not know that. That is a. Uh... That's definitely a little fun fact. <laughs> that is a fun fact. Um, so you mentioned earlier where you pitched uh, seven and two-third innings. But if I'm not mistaken, Colin, didn't you start a game before two? What, what's it like starting a game and closing a game? I mean, I know you prefer to be a closer or that tail end. Well, but... you know, I hate that you even brought that up, Chuck. But it's, uh, <laughs> it was a, a bad start at South Alabama. I think my red shirt 
freshman year or I can't remember. Oh, yeah, redshirt freshman year. Um, we needed somebody to start on a weekday. And Coach Palmer came up to me and he goes, boy, you got the ball. It's high school all over again for you. And I was like, Coach, come on. I was like, I'll do it. But you, this ain't, I ain't going to last long, so you better have somebody ready. Um, but I did it, and, you know, it, did, it didn't work out to, you know, like I planned. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just, you know, going, going from high school to Division One is tough. Um, it's, a, it's a big jump. The game gets so sped up on you, especially when you're young. And, you know, I think the big difference in, in closing and, and, and starting, you have to kind of pace yourself. You have mm-hmm. to. You can't just go out there and go and blow as a as, as a starter. You have to just have, pace yourself for five, six, seven innings and, and possibly more. And if you try to get into too too much of a hurry and you kind of speed up and you you start to get tired real quick. Um, so you can't do that as a starter. I mean, you you really got to pace yourself. You really got to have good rhythm, good tempo. But as a closer, sometimes you can just go and blow, and you know you got three outs to get, and that's it which is kind of a good feeling to know that you only have to get three outs. You get three outs, you're good. But as a starter, you might have to get 21, 24, 27, 20, I mean, whatever. You know what I mean? That's that's something that you really got to just focus on the entire game. You can't let anybody get into, get into your head. You can't think about what the offense is doing. You can't think about if our, our defense making errors or something like that. You can't you can't think about that stuff as a starter. You You got to think about – what you're doing and how you can control the game, and that's it. That's literally it. But you, you know, you mentioned the pace right there. You know, you can change up your pace a little bit and go a little bit faster as a closer. I remember Nick Sandlin and you, both of y'all, had a really, really fast pace on the mound. You know, and I think there's a guy like Garrett Ramsey right now mm-hmm. this year. He's got a pretty quick pace about him too. Is that a big advantage for you coming out of the bullpen to have a fast pace? You you feel like? I think, you know, in those pressure situations in the 6th, 7th, and 8th, and ninth innings, you know, the offense is, they're trying to take advantage of, you know, the bullpen. And I think as a guy in the bullpen, a closer, or a reliever, you have to still try to make them as uncomfortable as possible when you come in. You, 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 have, to, you have to keep them off balance as much as you can. And, you know, if, if your pitcher, your starting pitcher was, you know, just nice, easy, under control, and then you kind of get in there, and they're like, "Okay, we got we got to the bullpen. Hey, let's let's get them now. You know, we got the starter out of the game. You know, your job as a reliever is to keep them off balance and go, you know, get the ball and go. Don't don't let them sit in there and relax and gain confidence just because they got the starter out. You know, your job as a reliever is to hey, let's go, let's get them out real quick, so they're not trying to get any kind of confidence in that dugout because." You know, Coach Kai always said when 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 I was a player, when I, underneath him, and you know, as a, a a fellow employee next to him, he's always like the sixth, seventh, and eighth innings are the most important innings. Um, you know, the ninth is definitely you know pressure situation, but those six, seven, and eight. If you ever look at a box score or or, or stats, you know, the the most runs are scored in those six, seven, and eighth innings. You know what I mean? So that's when the bullpen starts to come in. So if you can have a great bullpen and guys that can keep that tempo and keep that rhythm and, and kind of keep those hitters off balance, you're going to be a successful team, which I think you see now out of the 2022 Southern Miss baseball team, they have those guys. You know, I think everybody that, that comes in out of that bullpen has that, and they know that. But if you see a guy coming in the, from the bullpen that just, you know, has a bad body language. It's just it's sucking the confidence out of the pitcher and straight into the hitter. 
That's what I always tell the, our pitchers. I was like, if you have bad body language and you're walking around the mound like you don't want to be there or something like that, what have you, that confidence is getting sucked out of you right into that hitter. And I think that's, I think that's huge, man. So you mentioned the bullpen. Uh, I think you're like us, you know, me and Lane. We kind of have a guy crush on Landon Harper. What are your thoughts on Landon Harper? Um, you know, honestly, he looks like he's tough as nails. Yeah. Um, and, and nothing bothers him. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what kind of situation that he comes into. It's, it, it, it doesn't matter. He's, he's going to shut it down. Um, you know, I think he has some electric stuff, you know, breaking ball, fastball, it's all electric and he's going to go after you a hundred percent and a hundred percent of the time he's going to do it. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to Oz, you know, and I don't talk to him much. I haven't talked to them a lot this year. I want them to, you know, focus on what they're doing, but you know, every conversation I've had, you know, he brings up Landon Harper and he's like, man, that, that kid has ice in his veins. I wish I had 18 of them. When it comes to mindset. Us too. And he, I mean, yeah, I mean, anybody does. I mean, gosh, I wish I had 18 of them. You Um, feel real, real good when number three gets on the mound. I mean, I I do. Every game that I've watched, I've seen him come in. I was like, well, this game's over. Um, And that's a good feeling as a pitching coach. When you have that lockdown, shutdown guy that comes out of the bullpen and you can, he, I said he could fully trust him with any kind of pitch that he calls in any kind of count, any kind of situation, it doesn't matter. Oz has full trust in the Landon Harper. And I, I think that, you know, just having that presence and that guy coming out of the bullpen, you know, that confidence in that, that opposing team is just like, dang, we got to face this guy. He has great, he has great numbers. He's, you know, he's a bulldog. You can just tell from the way he, you know, carries himself on the mound. I mean, that, I mean, does that sound like I'm losing confidence right there as I'm mm-hmm. speaking? Yeah, that's that's the opposing team. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't it doesn't feel good when you have to see that guy coming off the mound. But you know, not not. I mean, it's not just Landon. I mean, it's right. it's it's Dalton Rogers. I mean, it's it's you know Isaiah Rhodes at times when he can be good. Chandler Best. I mean, they just got they got dude after dude after dude. But you have to get past those three starters they have as well, right? Uh, which is no you know easy task at all. I mean. Those guys have just really elevated their games, and it's it's great to see you know you know from the outside now. I I know how they work. I know how they operate when it comes to Coach Oz, but just kind of looking back and looking and seeing from the outside, just looking at them like man, they have got it figured out. I will tell you that. And it almost seems like uh, the wizard knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. I mean, he had some help from me last year. Well, yeah, year, of, last course, couple man, of, of course, man, of course. But, you know, I mean, whatever. whatever. I'm not going to take all of <laughs> it. Give him a little bit, Colin. I'll give him a little bit of credit. The man created Todd McInnes and Christian <laughs> Ostrander. Exactly. I mean, bubble gum. Bubble and, you, know, I, you know, the late nights in the hotels, Coach Oz and me talking about stuff. Okay, I'm glad you said talking about stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, uh, Lane, that's all my questions, man. All right, Colin. So I've got a few questions for you too. I'd like to ask. Uh, right. My first one, obviously, you know, you've played a lot of baseball. You played for Southern Miss. You played in the minor leagues. Uh, you've been a part of a lot of teams, and those teams, those are the guys you're around more than anybody else, more than your family, more than your friends, anybody else. You form kind of a brotherhood with those guys. I know you're on the road with them a lot. And a lot of stuff happens on the road. What I want to know is, are there any 
Is there a funny road story you can share with us? Obviously, podcast appropriate here. <laughs> <laughs> but is there a funny story you, you could share with us here? It's, it's always good to hear those kind of stories. Well, I mean, in college, you know, we don't have those long road trips like like you do in, in pro ball. Um, so I'm going to give you a pro ball story. Um, I'm going to give you two of them. Well, you know, as rookies, when you go in, we're in double A, and, you know, every time a new guy would come up, you know, we just, we sing on the bus. I mean, we make them sing a song the whole way through, too. If they if they don't, we boo them. You know, we, we boo them and make them sing another song. I mean, it was just kind of that kind of friendly hazing that we had. And then one night, we decided we're just all going to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I, sw- I swear, it cut down a 10-hour ten, ten bus ride to about an hour, it felt like. Um, I mean, just great great moments that you know thank you things you're never going to ever forget um what song did you sing um eminem um uh lose yourself did you it crush a, it oh no it was horrible <laughs> um but i was ready to get out of it. I, I wasn't that type of guy you know I, I wish i could do it now because i'm a little bit more outspoken now um but back then i was kind of you know reserved and i didn't really like I, I didn't open up a lot when it came to you know being funny because i never thought i was funny um but, you know, I tried. I tried. I definitely got booed. I mean, I got booed bad. Uh, I remember it was it was bad because we did have a big leaguer on that on that bus. He was rehabbing with us. I can't believe he actually drove with us that night. Uh, you know, usually big leaguers, they fly. They don't, they don't, they ain't riding no bus for 10 hours. But he did. And I kind of got some respect for him. But his name was Logan Morrison. I don't know if y'all remember him, but. Oh, yeah. Uh, he played for the Marlins. Yeah, yeah. He, he was did. with us. He was with us on the bus, and I mean, he booed the hell out of me. And he was like, "Dude, <laughs> sit down." God, that was terrible. Uh, so I was like, "Well, this is great." If they I all remember, called him Lomo, didn't they? Yeah, they all called him Lomo. I mean, whenever we went to, the, if I was like, "Man, if I ever go to the big leagues, I am screwed," because I know I, I'm going to have to do this on the airplane. <laughs> um, so I, I, I was going to have to pick up a new song, and if I knew I was going to the big leagues, I was going to practice like two or three times before I even went on there. Uh, but never fortunate enough to do that. But, um, but it was, you know, just this times like that, when you have your guys, you just, you, you know, there's other things that I could tell you. I'm not going to tell you on this podcast. Um, you know, I don't think they're appropriate. Uh, we'll save that I, for when we're all fair. Yeah, we're all fair. We can, we can have those times. I mean, you spend 160 games with each other in six months together every day. You start to get tired of each other and you start to figure out new ways to have fun and, eh, you know, things happen. Um, but you know, that's, that's the thing you miss the most. I miss the most about pro ball is just my buddies, you know, like spending every day in the locker room with them and, uh, in the apartment together. I mean, we, it was just, those are the times you'll never forget from people from all over. I mean, one of my best friends went to Oregon state, you know what I mean? Like he's from Oregon. Um, and he was my best, like my best friend throughout pro ball for like four years. And we'll speak every now and then, um, you know, there's the times you just, I mean, those are, those are guys you'll just never forget yeah well colin you know you've pitched a lot of games and now you're a pitching coach uh and a mound visit is a big deal it's a big part of a game it's a big deal sometimes i've seen it before take a pitcher who was absolutely getting rocked or who'd absolutely lost the zone and a coach would come out there and talk to him for about 30 seconds walk back to the dugout and all of a sudden the kids dialed in again uh in a in a mound visit, what is it that you're saying? What are you doing to get those guys reeled back in? What do the coaches do to get them reeled back in? Are you chewing bud? Are you 
picking them up? What's the what's the plan when you walk out there? Well, I, I think it's you know kind of really knowing your player and who they are um, and how they work. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with you know how well you know them throughout getting to know them as in, in fall in fall ball and um, you know into the spring a little bit. You start to really get to know them and who they are and and how you can get to them. Whether you can give them a butt chewing or you have to do it another way, and you have to you have to have to have, to have a different approach with them. Um, you know, it's all about calming them down. I mean, most of the time, it's all about calming the pitcher down. I mean, usually when a coach goes out there, you can see maybe he's getting a little tired, or you know, if he's getting a little tired, hey, you okay, man, let's let's calm down, take a deep breath, you know, take a step off the mound. Um, you know, here's the situation. Uh, we're going to go with this play. We're going to go with this call, uh, pitch call. Just uh, execute here, man. Go after this guy, and you know. Get your ground ball and get out of this inning. You know that's that's something when you you have a guy that's maybe tired. Um, you know sometimes they do deserve a little butt chewing when they're you know like I said earlier about tempo and just you know being lackadaisical and not and not having anything into it. You know you can always tell by body language. I mean even you know normal fans could just tell like the pitcher's not into it. I mean those are the times you get in their butt a little bit. And you know some people can take it, some people can't. You just got to know your player when you go out there. Right. All right. My next question is this. Obviously you play for coach Corky Palmer, legendary coach at Southern Miss. Uh, I want to know what was it like playing for coach Palmer? Uh, man, he's a, he's a hard, no hard and hard nosed coach, man. I mean, he, you know, if certain players can play for him, this is say that. Um, and some, and some players couldn't. And I look at a lot of players that, you know, when I was at a director of ops or just certain teammates that I have when I have, you know, and, and pro ball or coach Barry, or, you know, even players I, I coach now. And I was like, I look at them, I go, you could not have played for coach Palmer. And I just say that in the back of my head. And I'm like, that guy was tough, but he was fair. And he told you the truth. And he was very upfront with you, which I appreciated. Um, and I, the, I think it's only fair to a player to tell them the truth and be honest with them. Um, if you kind of sugarcoat things and, you know, they're, they're never going to learn. They're never going to learn how to be better. Uh, if you just kind of sugarcoat and kind of go around, hey, man, it's all right. You know, you know, I think you got to work on this to get better. You'll be okay next time. Those things just don't work in my mind. They don't. And you got to be honest with a player. You got to be upfront with them and say, hey, you can't do this. This is something you cannot do. You got to fix that. Or you won't pitch anymore. I mean, I've heard that. From Coach Palmer, not you know, not going toward me, but other people. And I think that's the way you got to coach, and that's the way I'm going to coach. I'm I've, I always tell our pitchers, I'm like, I will always be upfront with you. If you want to come in my office and have a real conversation, let's go, um, because I'm going to be totally upfront. You just better be ready. Um, so I, I mean, that's that's how I'm going to coach, and I, that's that's how Coach Palmer coached. And I, I, you know, at first, if you're young and you're not used to that, I mean, yeah, it can kind of be a, you know kick in the face a little bit but you just kind of got to get past it but I you know I grew up with a a loving dad but he was also tough and fair I mean tough and hard on me um and the funny thing is he actually played football with coach Palmer at Hasbro High so that's kind of a fun little you know yeah that's um he was uh he coach Palmer always told me he goes your dad was a mean SOB as a defensive end and I I look at my dad he's like five foot nine I'm like a defensive end he was a defensive end, and you know, Coach Palmer always be like, "That was a mean sob." If he, you knew him on the football field, he better have been mean, being five nine playing DN. 
Oh, man. He, Coach Palmer always tells me stories about him playing football. So, you know, I, I got that from my dad. You know, Larry Knight was a tough coach, you know, in high school. So, you know, I was kind of already prepared for it, but, you know, I, I really wasn't. You know, not, n- nobody really is until you get there. And then, you know, you either get past it or you don't. You either tuck your tail and run or you become a man and deal with it. And I think that's, you know, that's what happened to me. I became a man and dealt with it. And, you know, I, I do anything for that man, and I hate that, you know, he's in the situation that he is. You know, I pray for him all the time. You know, I hope for his recovery and everything. But I, I love him. I love him, and I, and I always will, only because I have so much respect for him. Um, you know, as a as an 18, 19-year-old, maybe I didn't. But looking back, I was like, well, you're an idiot because all that dude, all that man cared about is is you, and he, he cared about your success and how you're going to be after baseball. Um, I think that's what makes a good coach. They care about you on the field, but they care about you when you leave the game of baseball. And I think he did. You know, you uh, obviously you're coaching. You've mentioned some of the coaches you played for with Coach Knight, Coach Barry, Coach Palmer. That's quite the pedigree of coaches to learn from, Colin. Do you see yourself, uh, like, do you catch yourself saying stuff that they say a lot or see yourself kind of mirroring those guys in a lot of ways? Oh, oh, most definitely. Um, I mean, I kind of take a, a lot of things from like Larry Knight used to chew my butt on the mound in high school, which you don't really see nowadays. Uh, but he did. I mean, he chewed my butt on the mound. Um, so sometimes I kind of take what he did, you know, when, when guys that can handle it, when I go out there, I'll do it. Um, you know, coach Palmer, I taught the, I, I take the, the telling the truth and being upfront with your players and being honest with them. You know, I take that from him and then, you know, with Coach Barry, I, I take about I take you know everything that you do on and off the field. It matters. It matters to everyone around you. It matters to your family. It matters to your friends. It matters to the the kid that comes watch you watches you play, and just wants a ball signed or for you just to talk to him. And that you know that 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 goes a long way. And I think that you know I I, I relay that to my players or to my my pitching staff sometimes. You know, the way you carry yourself on and off the field. You know, every, there's there's people watching you, and you don't know that, but there are people watching you, and how you you interact with them goes a long way on how they might support Mississippi College, or how they, you know, at the time when I was playing, how they're going to support Southern Miss. You know, those those things go a long way, and you know, I think I learned from all three of them that, you know, basically everything that you do is going to matter to someone. Yeah, I can tell you as a dad of a four year old who goes to every Southern Miss <laughs> baseball game. Every one of them. <laughs> every one of them. The kid is – I literally heard my kid tell tell another kid the other day, what do you do for fun? The other kid told him I play with my Legos or whatever. And Mason looked at him and said, oh, I go watch Southern Miss baseball. Hey, <laughs> I, I got a question for you, Lay. I'm going to kind of turn this back on you. Have All you right. ever washed his jersey, or are you superstitious and don't wash his jersey that he has? So I got to wash his jersey because oh. he gets it filthy. <laughs> However, my own jersey, I definitely have a lineup of clothes to wear. And, you know, you wash off the losses, but the wins. Yeah. You, you know, it. you can't wash off a win. I, got so, you. I just wanted to know if Mason got his jersey washed or not. That's it. He he has to because he gets those <laughs> things filthy, man. He, I understand. He runs all over the place. But, yeah, he. Uh, I can tell you this, too, this baseball team at Southern Miss, and it's been like this since he was born. And I don't know if it's just because we've gone out of our way to get to see the players and talk to them and stuff or what, but for some reason, man, at Southern Miss, 
those kids, they get it year in and year out. They get that these kids, it's a big deal and it matters to these kids, you know, how you treat them. They have treated my son like he's a member of the team every single year. And it has been really, really special to watch. I mean, they're guys like my son had a really special connection with guys like Mason Strickland, Stevie Powers, uh, Bryant Bowen back whenever they were at Southern. He had a good connection with. Uh, Gabe Shepard, he was super close with Gabe Shepard. And he's got a good one right now with guys like Charlie Fisher and Blake Johnson and Tanner Hall. Just for some reason, man, whatever it is at Southern Miss, those guys just get it. I mean, it's just it's it's the culture that, you know, Coach Palmer brought there so long ago. Um, I think it was 1998 or 97 that Coach Palmer got there. I, I know, I know, Hill Denson probably did too. I just, I didn't know Hill Denson as a as a coach. You know, I, I really, I know he's a great coach. I, I know that, but I just, you know, I don't know anything that he taught when it came to culture and chemistry as a team. Uh, all I know is Coach Palmer and Coach Barry, really, to be honest. So that's why I mentioned them. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's the culture that Coach Coach Palmer brought in. I think Coach Barry has just carried that to actually kind of a new level and a new and a new height. That you know that I, I forgot when that motto came about that everything matters. But we know, got snubbed for a regional, and I remember the next year he said everything matters because if we do one thing wrong, they hold it against us. Yeah, that, it was I think something that was, like 2016 or something like that. Yeah, it was something like that. Well, I, I mean, I honestly, I, I think, you know, I thought it maybe was kind of, you know, funny at first, like everything matters. Okay, whatever. But I was, and I, I really started to be around it as a director of ops. And I was like, man, he's right. I mean, yeah. he is absolutely, he is absolutely right. Um, and I see that more now as a coach, you know, I, I see it, everything that a player does from going to class to, to, you know, making the grades and, you know, having, you know, being a, a, a good son and a good, and a good boyfriend, if, if anything, you know, those all, everything goes into playing baseball. I mean, it really does. I mean, you oh, can yeah. have a bad day in the classroom and come out there and, you know, crap the bed <laughs> oh, yeah. game because you had a bad day in the classroom. I mean, yeah. you know, or have a fight with your girlfriend, you, you know, you had, you come and bring it on the field. I mean, everything yeah, that you do matters on and off the field for sure. All right, and so my next question is this, and we're going to shift gears a little bit here. Obviously, you've played a lot of ball against some good good quality uh, opponents here. Who's the best hitter you've ever faced? Uh, in college, it was Anthony Rendon at Rice. Uh, that's, a no, that's a no-brainer. Um, I, I'm pretty sure he's 15 for 17 off me a lifetime. And he was and smiling that, every at-bat, wasn't he? Smiling every bat and just, you know, <laughs> making, making me wear it. And I swear those two outs he probably got off of them were line drives to the shortstop. Um, I think he hit every ball that I threw him hard, it felt like. Um, he was just a complete hitter. I mean, he Well, for he what it's he worth, he's out. done that to the majors, too. Exactly. I mean, he's, <laughs> he is what he is. I mean, he's an MVP. I mean, he's just, you know, you could tell from the very get-go, the very first game we played against him at home at, at Rice, you know, I looked at him at third base and he was fielding ground balls before the game. And just kind of had the hat cocked to the side. And, you know, then he, I was like, who is this guy? And he filled a ground ball and absolutely threw a dart to first base with ease. And I was like, all right, that's good. That's a really good player. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then, he, then I saw him hit BP and I was like, all right, well, he's going to be trouble. Yeah. Um, and, and he was. I mean, he was. And, you know, I think he was one of the best players I've ever, you know, faced. Um, 
you know, I faced people like Javi Baez and, and Chris Bryant and actually faced Jeffrey Core when he was a little bit older in the minor leagues. Uh, so, you know, I, I faced a lot of, a lot of tough hitters. Um, I know actually Joey Gallo in AAA probably hit a ball off me at about 530 feet uh, to right center. Uh, I knew the ball was gone right when I released it from my hands. Uh, I won't forget that one. I will yeah, not forget that you one. You miss that with one. it and just know? Yeah, I know he strikes out a lot in the big leagues, but he did not strike out against me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he hit that ball about 500 feet, and I almost got whiplash from looking behind me. Um, what big player have you struck out that you kind of got that little flex at parties and stuff to throw that fact out there? Is there anybody you struck out that's a big leaguer right now? Oh, yeah. Javi Baez, five, five or six times. Hey, there you go. That's a, that's a good party story there. He got one double off of me that was a rocket, but the other five times it was a K. There so. you go. <laughs> All right, and I got one more question for you, Colin. Uh, you were kind of the face of one of the best moments in Southern Miss sports history. I would say it's probably the best moment uh, in Southern Miss baseball history, obviously locking up our first trip to Omaha in Gainesville, uh, and everybody's seen the video. I actually went back today and watched that video clip of that last inning and just, you know, all of it came back. I remembered all of it, you know, and it was it was an exciting moment, a huge moment. The camera zooms in on you after the last out. You said a couple choice words that probably shouldn't be said on the podcast and then, and then get to the bottom of a, of a pile, dog pile and just – Really, really special moment, man. You know, just you're really blessed to have been able to be there in that moment. Uh, can you can you walk us through that last inning in Gainesville? What all do you remember? Like, I was there as a fan. I can tell you this. We were holding our breath for the entire ninth inning thinking this could be it. We could be going to Omaha. But what was going on in the mind, in your mind out there in the middle of the heat of the moment? Well, I think I was holding my breath with you guys. Uh, probably didn't exhale until I got tackled by Maxie at the end. Um, but, you know, it's, a, it's that moment that you always, you know, prepare for when you're a kid. You're in the front yard and you, you or you're playing basketball and you're counting down the, the shot clock. Or, you know, it's that big moment that you kind of you kind of wait for as a kid or you practice in the front yard as a kid and. It just came down to that moment, and you know, and it started in the bullpen. I, I, I knew I was going to go in if it was close. Um, you know, I, I didn't know if it was going to be the eighth or ninth inning, but it was the ninth, and I was just, you know, I was ready, and I was getting ready, and you know, Jonathan Johnston calls down to the bullpen. It wasn't even the coach; it was him, and he said, "Boy, you know, you know, I'm not going to say what exactly what he said, but he was like, boy, send our butts to Omaha,' and." You know, those that's when the nerves started to happen. And I was like, man, I have everybody's dreams in my hand. I have it. <laughs> I have to go out there and hopefully not crush everybody's dream. And that's when the nerves started just to kind of to run through me. Um, so I kind of, you know, paused in the bullpen getting ready. And I was like, all right, I got to get locked back in. I got to do my job. And that's all I got to do is do my job. Um, and that's all I got to focus on. And, that, and whatever happens, it happens. Control what you can control. Um so I got locked back in, started throwing my pins. I was I told them I was ready. They're like, "Hey, you're going in." Uh, and they called me in, and you know, ran out there. And I knew I was going to have to face Preston Tucker. That was one of their best hitters. He was a left-handed hitter. You know, lefties saw me pretty well, being from you know the side. Um, so I was like, "Man, just don't let him hit it out of the ballpark." I was like, "Don't throw it inside. That's where he likes it." Um, you know, just do everything you can to keep it in the ballpark. So 
I kept it away. I kept it away the whole time, and he hit a ball through the six hole. So I was like, okay, good deal. I think only I think I already had one out, and I was like, all right, now you got now you can do your job. Just get a ground ball and righty coming up. I knew I had a righty coming up. Um, I just all I needed was a ground ball, and you know it, it so happened just to kind of you know I got deep in that count, and actually you know Josh Adams, the guy I played with in the minor leagues, is actually who I got to ground out in the double and and the double play which is crazy. We never talked about it in the minor leagues. I never brought it up. Um, but I remember, I think it was like a 3-2 count or 2-2 count, and he hits a rocket down the right field line, and it was foul. Oh, yeah. Their whole and, fan base and like, I, exhaled. And yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, do not make that mistake again. <laughs> um, so it was like, it, it goes back, to, it's a game of inches, and, and a game of inches, and we were, you know, we were given another inch after that ball being foul. And I was like, all right, now you can get him. Go after him. Don't give in to him just because he hit a rocket down the line. Go right after him and get you a ground ball. And that had to be my mindset. If I was thinking, oh, crap, you know, he just hit a rocket. He sees my pitch now. You know, if I leave it up, you know, if I started thinking negative thoughts, then negative stuff was going to happen. Um, so that's just me training my mind, you know, in practice and, and doing all the kinds of bullpens you know, to lead up to that point that I didn't have, I didn't think about that at all. I thought about getting a ground ball and that's what happened. And that's what happened. And I remember just kind of turning to the right, turning to the right, turning to the right. And I just saw the whole thing happen like it was in slow motion. I know it kind of happened fast, but honestly, it felt like it was in slow motion happening. And I was just, you know, looking back at the, the replay, it is a perfect, perfectly turned double play. Perfect. Oh ball yeah, was, I mean, ball was, came out. Ball came out quick um, from Taylor Walker to James Ewing to, I mean, to Joey Archer. I mean, it was just a a perfectly played double play, and it was, you know, it was just a dream moment to be honest. Absolutely. What pitch did you throw to get the final out? I'm going to say it's probably a fastball because that's what I threw 95 percent of the time. Okay, <laughs> I got you. Just being honest with you. <laughs> Just being honest with you, I didn't really throw a slider until my senior year, to be honest. I threw mostly all fastballs. Okay. Well, um, Colin, I got one more question for you, if that's all right. Uh, you mentioned playing for uh, Corky Palmer and, you know, Larry Knight. But do you have a unique perspective of where, you know, Scott Berry was your pitching coach and then he was your head coach and then he hired you as the director of baseball operations. What kind of – as far as him and Corky, are they same temperament uh, – are they completely different as coaches? What 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 did you see on those different uh, aspects? Um, you know, I, th- I think temperament's a little different between the two. Um, you know, Coach Palmer would just kind of let you have it if he saw something that you need to, you know, get corrected. Like he just let you have it, um, and you had to go out there and you know, I'll, I always took from Coach Palmer. I had to go out there and prove him wrong, which was I know that sounds weird, but it it worked. You know, I. I feel like I always had like a chip on my shoulder just because of the way I threw. I didn't throw very hard. You know, I wasn't highly recruited coming out of high school. And I, I feel like I always had a chip on my shoulder that, you know, I had to go out there and prove Coach Palmer wrong. That, 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 that he ever, you know, gave me a reason to. I just felt that way with Coach Palmer. Um, and then with Coach Barry, I, I knew he had a ton of confidence in me. You know, I think it was just a totally different, you know, aspect from from head coach to head coach you know one that you wanted to go out there and just prove wrong all the time I'm not saying that in a negative way I'm just saying that's that's the way it was I mean 
He just he he brought the best. Coach Palmer brought the best out in you, whether you knew it or not. He was just trying to get the best out out of yourself when you're out there playing. And I think that's you know that's the way I took it. I, I wanted to go out there and prove him wrong and prove everybody else wrong that ever doubted me. And then Coach Barry, he just he you knew he had confidence in you. You know he just he he let you know it. Be like, look, you're my man. Let's go. I need you out there. I need you to go out there and you know do your thing. Uh, so I think having those two different, you know, aspects as a, you know, from both coaches in your career in college is, is pretty cool. I think because you can learn a lot from both sides, especially being a coach now. Um, I, I definitely do that to my players now in certain ways. I, you know, I want them to go out there and prove me wrong. Um, you know, I, I, for example, I had a starter this year that, you know, he started his whole career at Mississippi college and I put him in the bullpen when it came to, you know, scrimmage games and stuff like that. Cause that's, that's where I saw him. And, you know, he was like, you know what? I think he got mad about it. And, you know, that's, I did it on purpose. You know, I, I wanted something to come out into out of him to prove me wrong that he could start for me, you know, and eventually he did start for me at the end of the year, you know? Um, but I, I wanted that to come out in him. And that's what coach Palmer did. If that makes any sense. I mean, I just, um, and then Coach Barry, honestly, just, you know, he, he gave us all confidence in, in the way he coached. I mean, he just, he believed in us, you know, every day. And, you know, he made us work hard. I mean, he made us get after it. There was no lack of days ago at practice. I mean, he was, even when Coach Palmer was our head coach, Coach Barry was running practice. I mean, he was, so it, it, there was no kind of big transition there when it came to practice. I mean, Coach Palmer was definitely more of like a game manager, I would say, like a like a big league manager. That's kind of how Coach Palmer was. And then Coach Barry was a little bit more hands-on just because that's the way he was as an assistant. Um, and I think that, you know, having both of them, is just, it, it was great to have as, you know, in college as a young player. Absolutely. Well, Lane, do you have any other questions, man? Man, I think that's it for tonight for me. Yeah. I've really enjoyed this, Kyle, and this was a lot of fun, man. Well, I appreciate y'all guys having me on. Uh, Absolutely. You know, more than happy to do it. And, and, you know, if y'all ever want to have me back, I'm, I'm we more will, than happy to do it. We will definitely bring you back. Now, tell everybody you married Ashley Peterman. Yes. And y'all have a beautiful baby girl named Addie. Yes. She is a year and about, uh, I would say, 10 months yeah. right now. So she's getting to those, Almost those two. terrible twos. <laughs> I, I, think, I, I think she's already in those two. Already twos. there, huh? But she's a beautiful, beautiful little girl, and I, you know, I couldn't be more happy with you know my my beautiful wife and my beautiful mm-hmm. baby girl. So absolutely, absolutely. Well, thanks so much to Colin Cargill for coming on the show, and always thanks to Lane Brady for being a wonderful co-host. And a special shout out to Mr. Pate Thaggard making us all sound good and look good. Um, until we catch y'all next time, and as always, Southern Miss to, to the, the top. top. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Everyday Eagles podcast. For Southern Miss fans, by Southern Miss fans. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit EverydayEaglesPodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Everyday Eagles Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on the Everyday Eagles Podcast. Touchdown!